Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. The story of Black History Month begins in 1915. Half a century after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the U.S., it started out in 1926 as Negro History Week. But in the late 1960s, thanks to the civil rights movement and a growing awareness of black identity, it evolved into Black History Month at a number of college campuses. In Canada, the 2020 theme for Black History Month is Canadians of African descent going forward, guided by the past. For this episode of Discovering Jazz, I want to glance at some of the history of jazz, including its African roots, and also look at how black musicians are involved in moving it forward. I'll also present a, a couple segments from a presentation from singer-pianist Louise Rose from her performance celebrating Black History Month at James Bay United Church in Victoria. Let's start with Canada's most renowned jazz artist, the late pianist Oscar Peterson, here with trumpeter Harry Sweets Edison from 1974, their own composition. It's called Signify. Thank you. 
Music reviewer Matt Mellis in the All That Jazz website stated in 2009 that jazz is rarely associated with struggles against racism, prejudice, and social injustice, even though many of its biggest and brightest names have taken the time throughout their careers to compose, record, and perform music that profoundly reflected upon the injustice of society both in America and abroad, unquote. That surprises me somewhat, since I have most often associated jazz with progressive politics, but perhaps this is becoming more prominent in the last 20 years, but certainly from Billie Holiday's strange fruit about Southern lynching through Charles Mingus's Fables of Phobos, jazz has played an integral part in tackling prejudice and social issues relevant to the history of African Americans. Matt Mellis claims that Charles Mingus was one of the few jazz artists in the late 50s tackling social issues. I don't know if that's true, but his music certainly reflected a great social consciousness. Let's play his recording of Fables of Phobos. It was originally recorded in 1959 as an instrumental, but a live recording on an album the following year called Charles Mingus Presents Charles Mingus added lyrics, and for contractual reasons changed the name to Original Phobos Fables. Phobos, by the way, was the governor of Arkansas at the time, a member of the Democratic Party who, in 1957, refused to comply with the unanimous decision of the United States Supreme Court, and he ordered the Arkansas National Guard to prevent nine black students from attending Little Rock Central High School. Here is the vocal version. Charles Mingus on bass and vocals, Danny Richmond, drums, Eric Dolphy, alto sax, and Ted Kirsten, trumpet, and a call and response between Mingus and Richmond. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, no applause and keep it down. Your drinks, don't rattle your ice in your glasses and don't ring the cash register. You got it covered? All right. I'd like to um, continue this set with a conversation dedicated to the first or second or third All-American Heel, Fabus, and it's titled Fables of Fabus. Oh, Lord, don't let them shoot us. Oh, Lord, don't let them stab us. Oh, Lord, don't let them tar and feather us. Oh, Lord, no more swastikas.
That's ridiculous, Danny Richmond. Oh, why are they so sick and ridiculous? The brainwash and teach you hate. Despite what Mellis claims, I think that jazz has always addressed the social issues of racism and injustice, even well before Charles Mingus. One of the characteristics of jazz through the ages is the use of the blues scale. The blues is very much part of the roots of jazz. The blues were born in the southern U.S., although it had its roots in Africa. The songs may be sad, but they also reflect resilience and victory. That was seen in hymns, work songs, and field haulers sung by slaves. It's about surviving adversity and injustice of all sorts, so even though it may not be blatantly political, it is political. You are listening to a tune written by Fats Waller and Andy Ratzaff and performed by Louis Armstrong from 1929, How Did I Get to Be So Black and Blue? Wish I was there 
all my life through. I've been so black and blue. Even the mouse ran from my house. They laugh at you and scorn you too. What did I do then to be so black and blue? Oh, I'm white inside, but that don't help my case. How will it end? Ain't got a friend. My only sin is in my skin. What did I do to be so black and My only sin was in my skin. Wow. The improvised jazz solo was perfected by Louis Armstrong and is now typical of most jazz, old and modern. It's an expression of freedom, which again can be seen as political when performed by enslaved people. Part of that freedom was the moving away from the spirituals that were part of slavery days. One might argue that much of the current, more classically oriented jazz may be first heard by third-stream artists like the modern jazz quartet could be another evolution toward that freedom. From an album called Blues on Bach, here are the modern jazz quartet. John Lewis on piano, Milt Jackson vibes, Percy Heath on bass, and Connie K drums with blues in A minor.
the modern jazz quartet. In terms of some of the earliest jazz, Jelly Roll Morton has made a valid claim for being one of the inventors of jazz. One of his most quotable phrases is from an interview Alan Lomax did with him in 1938 about his transformation of La Paloma into New Orleans style and the Spanish tinge, one of the most distinguishing factors of jazz. Let's hear some of that interview with some very famous quotes and a bit of his playing, La Paloma. Jelly Roll Morton. Uh, that's the type of tune uh, was no doubt one of the earliest blues that was created as a composition, a playable composition in the city of New Orleans. This tune was wrote about 1902. All the black bands in the city of New Orleans played these tunes. That's this tune, I mean. Uh, of course, you may notice the Spanish tinge in it. Uh, this has so much to do with the typical jazz idea. If one can't uh, manage a way to put the tinges of Spanish in these tunes, they'll never be able to get the right season, I may call it, for jazz music. Uh, there's a man that used to teach me to play piano. I'll have to give him credit for some contribution to this tune. His name was Frank Richards. He was older than I was. He was on the ragtime order, but he was a very good player as far as it went, although he was incapable of instructing anybody along music in the very, that is, for very short ways, that's all he could go. He couldn't go very far because he didn't know so very much about music himself. But at least in the early days, in my beginning on piano, he was the first one that started my instructions. And I thank him greatly for that. I claim that his, his contribution was more in the perfection way. Uh, the melodies were all mine. But I believe that he could do much better than I could with it because uh, he made a lot of corrections that probably would have gone maybe haywire. And of course, I've kept the tune ever since. It's one of my first tunes. As I before said, maybe you may be able to uh, notice the Spanish tinge, but you must have a powerful background. Uh, for instance, those days, they used La Paloma was uh, one of the great Spanish tunes. You know, New Orleans was inhabited with maybe every race on the face of the globe. And of course, we had Spanish people there, plenty of them, and plenty of French people. Of course, I'll, I may demonstrate a little bit of La Paloma uh, to show you that the tinge is really in there. Gives it a, a entirely different color. 
Jelly Roll Morton. Let's talk about how black music or jazz came to Europe. In the early part of the 20th century, the leading black band leader in New York was James Reese Europe. He enlisted in the army and organized the 369th Infantry Hellfighters Band, which entertained the troops and in the process brought jazz to Europe. And yes, Europe was his real name. While the music may sound more like ragtime than jazz, it was billed as jazz. And his music, like ragtime, did have syncopation, which is one of the defining characteristics of jazz. Before going to Europe, he had been leader of what was called the Clef Club, which was like an alternative musicians' union for black players in New York, most of whom couldn't read music. To find some who who could read music, he held auditions for his band in Puerto Rico, where there is a long tradition of municipal and military bands who are good readers. So, at the heart of the famous Hellfighters band, about half the initial lineup were Puerto Rican musicians. Let me play a bit of a recording from December 29, 1913, before he formed the Hellfighters Band, but this might be considered one of the first ever records ever recorded by a jazz band leader. It's an Argentine tango called Irresistible by Europe Society Orchestra, led by James Reese Europe. James Reese Europe, who died in 1919, was also a prolific composer, and some groups are trying to revive his music. Here's one of his compositions called Castle House Rag by the Paragon Ragtime Orchestra, a group that advertises themselves as using original period orchestrations played with authentic style on vintage instruments.
Although James Reese Europe's ragtime music came out of New York, New Orleans is probably more known as being the epicenter for jazz in the late 19th and early 20th century. There were two types of black groups. Some were reading bands, made up of technically proficient classically trained players with a refined tone who could play arrangements off the page. We heard some of that with that 1913 recording by James Reese Europe. But the other style was the improvising, non-reading, dirty tone players. One of the most famous was Charles Buddy Bolden, a black cornetist who around 1895 led a legendary ragtime band that is often referred to as the first jazz band. Unfortunately, nothing of his was ever recorded. He's most commonly referred to as being the originator of jazz. His music added blues as well as the gospel music from African-American gospel churches to rag, and was believed to be the first person to have brass instruments play the blues. He was also the originator of what is called the Big Four, a rhythmic innovation on the marching band beat that syncopated the standard march beat. It also incorporated what is known as a hambone rhythm developed from African music traditions. Since I obviously can't give you any recordings of Buddy Bolden, since he ever made it, if he ever made any, they haven't survived. The best I can do is play something from Wynton Marsalis's soundtrack of the film on Buddy Bolden from last spring called Bolden. This tune is probably the first use of the word funky ever known, written probably in the late 1890s, Funky Butt became so well-known as a rude song that even whistling the melody on the street was considered offensive. Here is Wynton Marsalis with Wycliffe Gordon trombone, Michael White and Victor Goins on clarinet, Carlos Henrique bass, drummer Ali Jackson, and a vocal by guitarist Don Vappi. Funky Butt, also known as I Thought I Heard Buddy Bolden Say, also known as Buddy Bolden's Blues. I thought I heard 
but he bowled and shouted. He said, open up that window, let that bad air out. He said, boy, you in the back there in that corner, open up that window, let that bad air out. Yeah, I thought I heard Buddy Bold and Shout. Well, I thought I heard Robert Charles exclaim. He said, I'm the man who drove all those white folks insane. Yeah, he said, I killed two dozen people just for mistaking my name. That was Robert Charles exclaim. Now I thought I heard Buddy Bolden repeat He said, now I can play it hot Or baby, I can play it sweet He said, you know I lost my mind On Rampart Street Yeah, that was Buddy Bolden's repeat A few years ago, either when I lived in the Okanagan or maybe even in Peterborough, Ontario, I found an old record at a thrift shop by a woman named Louise Rose. It was from 1978. It was called Live at the Belfry, which is a theater in Victoria. Well, since then, I've moved to Victoria and had the pleasure of hearing Louise Rose sing and play exquisite piano three times now. I'm going to play something from that album. It's a traditional African-American freedom song. I'll play it here as part of Discovering Jazz's Celebration of Black History Month. ¶¶ 
And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free.
hear a bit from Louise Rose today. Most of my life being a, an activist and in recent days, I don't think days, uh, my life has been changed as a result of Mr. Rogers. And in, I'm still an activist. However, watching Mr. Rogers anger is gone. And so black history has changed. Mr. Rogers is was as political as any person ever was. And he changed hearts. and the sounds of those of us who enjoyed her tribute to Black History Month last week at James Bay United Church. And here she is playing and singing Wade in the Water, a tune that has been recorded by many jazz artists vocally and instrumentally. Louise, during her presentation, which she likes to think of as being more like a church service than a concert, spoke of how in one of his episodes from the early 60s, Fred Rogers invited the black policeman, Officer Clemens, to dangle his feet with him in the small swimming pool. It reminded her of how in the town where she grew up in Louisiana, they built a community swimming pool right near her home, but she wasn't allowed to swim in it because she was black. So Mr. Rogers' courage in defying such racial bans and doing it with love rather than anger has touched her a great deal. Hymns like Wade in the Water were often signals. They had secret meanings for people fighting to escape slavery. Harriet Tubman used this particular song to tell escaping slaves to get off the trail and into the water to make sure the dogs that slave catchers used couldn't sniff out their trail. You're listening to a hit version of that tune by the Ramsey Lewis Trio from 1966.
Just one more brief clip of Louise Rose. The Fulton song is that was, was recorded by the late Joe Williams. It was one of his last, last recordings. And, and uh, it's entitled Same Old Story. It says, people have the same feelings everywhere you go. Same a want is a want and a need is a need. Listening to Joe Williams singing a Bernard Igner tune to finish today's episode of Discovering Jazz on Black History Month. 
My name is Larry Sadman. Discovering Jazz comes your way courtesy of Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Bye for now. When children laugh and play, sounds the same. When a heart gets heavy, it's the same. When a soul cries out to God, it's the same. And when a woman gives birth, it's the same. And when life leaves the body, it's the same. You know the reason we're here is the same. And the roles we're playing, different, they're the same. And a lying deceiver is the same. Pleasure is pleasure, and pain is pain. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same. Same old story, baby. Same old story. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same old thing. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same old thing. Tell you that the culture changes. Same old thing. More for the greedy and less for the needy. Same old thing. The